Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Before we jump into today's message, which I'm going to teach about being anointed for war, I want us to go to Deuteronomy 28 verse 1. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings first. Let's honor the Lord with our finances. As we look at this verse, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Praise God. So my friends, here we see that obedience brings blessing. And of course, the uh, latter part of this chapter from verse 14 on shows that disobedience brings awful judgments, consequences, and sorrow into our life. Now, in the age in which we're living, particularly here in America, there's a lot of moral decay. Now, we're believing God for revival, that God is going to move again by His Holy Spirit. But we also need to be aware of the times in which we're living, times in which those that have powerful voices in the secular world who are unsaved are putting pressure upon church leaders to basically say that their lifestyles are acceptable just as they are. Now, of course, we know that if you're okay just as you are, then Christ died in vain. There, there's no purpose for the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. But the truth is, is He died to save sinners. And anybody outside of Christ needs to be born again. But there are preachers that are backing off of these age-old, uh, timeless, biblical truths because of these types of pressure. And they're beginning to cave even on what we have known for decades, for centuries, as standard church doctrine. And so there are some preachers today that are no longer teaching about tithing. And they're apologizing that they have previously taught the church the tithe. But my friends, I'm also a student of church history, as I know many of you are. And I know exactly where this is leading to, this type of compromise and backing off of biblical truths. Now, this has been seen before in church history. It is known as antinomianism. And what this is basically, it's a belief system that the moral law of God, God's ethics and principles and laws of morality are no longer anything that we need to be obligated to because they believe that faith alone is solely necessary for salvation. So they say that once you're saved by faith, then God's grace has you, and it doesn't matter what you do or don't do, you're good to go. And I can tell you exactly where this spirit of antinomianism leads to, because it's, it's, we've seen it before. It leads to what we would call a belief of inclusion. Some people call it universalism. It leads to basically where all standards are lowered, and then preachers eventually give in and proclaim, well, everybody's saved. God loves everybody, and everybody's saved just as you are. It doesn't matter if you're a murderer, drunkard, uh, sexual pervert. It doesn't matter. God loves you all just as you are, and you can stay like you are because we're all going to go to heaven. And that's what inclusion is. And I've even heard it taught by some of these people where they even say that eventually even Satan himself will be redeemed by God. My friends, this is an awful, awful lie. I want you to know that obedience is the pathway to blessing. And disobedience can kill you physically and it can kill you spiritually. We need to honor the Lord. Now, from this pulpit, we believe in tithing, and we believe in the sowing of seed. We believe in the timeless principles of God, because it is clearly revealed in Hebrews chapter 7 that Jesus, who is our Melchizedek, He's our high priest, 
He's still receiving the tithe today. Praise the Lord. Did you know that church studies still show after all of these years of teaching and preaching by so many good ministers, it still shows that around the world, out of all the thousands of churches here, there, and everywhere, that still the percentage of tithers in the churches still averages only 20%. What does that mean? It means 20% of the people are carrying almost the entire load of gospel work. Praise the Lord. And so when you see uh, television ministry, when you see church buildings, when you see uh, the various plethora of works extended out from the family of God, you're seeing primarily the work of tithers while others sit back and uh, maybe either do nothing or do just a little tiny bit or whatever it might be. But I want to say thank you to all of those who are true to the Lord and you are really covenant practitioners. I don't argue with tithing with people because uh, for some believers, it's not a matter of even showing them the scriptures. They're just not going to do it, no matter if Jesus himself sat down and taught them. Now, when they get to heaven, <laughs> it will be made clear what the truth is. But the, the, the reason that many miss it is because uh, they view it as a doctrine or like a commandment that they have to keep, and they don't understand it's a covenant. And when you have a covenant of salvation, you're made ready for heaven and you honor the Lord with your life. You surrender your life to the Lord and live for him. But a financial covenant, it's not based on a promise where you just get a promise and then you're good to go. No, it's based on a covenant. That means there's terms and conditions that you have to meet in order for that covenant to be engaged. And so you really do want to be walking in a financial covenant with the Lord when things can be so unstable so quick in the world's financial systems, even including ours. And you know, there's a lot of nations that are not too happy with the U.S. dollar being the global currency that all the nations peg themselves to. And you look at uh, China, and you look at Russia, and you look at these, like the BRICS union of these various nations that are basically saying, we want to get off the dollar. We want to have our own thing going on. And so, look, this is a time you need to have a financial covenant with God where you honor him with your finances. And that covenant, of course, is in force and God's protection is blessed and blessing is upon your life. And you'll always be taken care of. And that covenant works anywhere, any place, any time. It's just, it's supernatural. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Let's honor the Lord today with our tithes. Let's stay in the word. Let's stay obedient all the way till the end. Amen. Let's honor God with our tithes. And if you would like to give an offering, praise God that it's available to do so as well. If you're mailing your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717. Moravian Falls, North Carolina, the zip code 28654. If you want to bring in your tithes and offerings, you can do so literally from anywhere in the world. As long as you have internet, just go to stephenbrooks.org on the internet. You'll see our website. You'll see our homepage. And there's a red heart and it says give. You can click on that and you can bring your tithe in right there. It's very encrypted, safe and secure. And also, of course, very simple to do. And if you want to sow seed, we have various projects. Just click on the orange tab that says projects and you can um, go ahead and give as the Holy Spirit leads you. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Bless your people. I thank you, Father God, they're going to stay faithful till the end, and they're not going to compromise their biblical principles in any area. Thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you, Father, that with the 100-fold return, there's, there's persecution. But, Father, we embrace the blessing so that we might represent you in the earth and move your kingdom forward at tremendous pace. Father, we thank you. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just say this from your heart. Say, I'm a tither. Say, I'm a giver. Praise the Lord. Amen. Take your stand in the kingdom. All right. We're very close to our message today. Let's turn over to the left to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Praise God. Today we're going to discuss the subject of what it is to be anointed for war. 
This is very interesting. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we study your word in detail today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just move and lift any discouraged hearts, would move and lift any that would have felt beaten down or maybe troubled, perhaps even troubled greatly with worry and anxiety. We pray that there be liberation today and a way forward. And we thank you for victory in Jesus name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Today we're beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Very interesting that God gave Moses insight of the procedure, the steps to take when it's time to go off to war. Let's begin in verse one. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Verse two, so it shall be when you are on the verge of battle and the rabbis interpreted that as being you're right on their territory. You're about to go in into their territory and engage the, the enemy. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. This is very fascinating because according to the Talmud and the Talmud, of course, being a commentary on the old Testament, according to the Talmud, this is the priest or the Kohen who is anointed for war. Now, no, he's not the high priest. He's under the authority and oversight of the high priest, but he is nevertheless a priest anointed in a special area. And this is the priest that has been selected to go with the Israelites and to pronounce the instructions anytime they're about to go into the war. So this is the anointing for war. Praise God. Hallelujah. By the way, when you're just about to go into battle, you want to be built up. You could be facing uh, the reality of, yes, wow, we're massively outnumbered and uh, they've got a lot better armory and artillery. And you could be analyzing this in your mind, but thank God that there would be a priest out there strong and full of faith because you could imagine what it would be like if there was a priest out there and he said something like this, well, men, I sure feel sorry for you today because it looks like you're going to, you're in for a real whooping today. But all I can say is just do the best you can and hold your chin up and die like a man. Goodbye. <laughs> no, uh, thank God for priests that could go out there with courage and bravery and speak to those men just before they went in the battle. Now, this is what he would say. Verse three, and he shall say to them here, O Israel today, you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. And trust me, I'm sure there were some shaking in their boots. And uh, this is the reality sometimes in certain situations where there can be those that are very much afraid. So they are instructed to not be afraid. Stop that shaking, you know, rattling at the knees or whatever it might be. Why? Verse four, for the Lord, your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. Now that's extremely powerful. He's there to save you. God goes to fight with you against your enemies to save you, not to run some kind of trial and research study on you. In other words, God's going to like maybe send you in there and well, maybe we'll win, maybe we'll lose and God will collect the data and then we'll figure out how to do it better next time. No, no, you're not some kind of rat in some kind of a scientific experiment. God's not playing games with you. God's going in the battle with you and you're going to win. Why? Because he's with you. Mm, you're not a guinea pig. <laughs> you're a warrior who's going to win. Praise the Lord. 
And see, the priest is speaking to them because fear deflates power. And God wants you to know that he's with you and that he's going to be there to empower you. And he's going to be moving and working and he's going to give you the victory. And so I think it's very important because here we see that when God goes with you, that you're going with an assurance, not some type of guesswork, but that you're going with an assurance that your victory has actually already been decided. This is very, very important to understand. Now the priest continues in verse five, then the officers shall speak to the people saying, what man is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. Well, he's out. He's exempted. And you know what the truth is, is that, look, it doesn't take that long to dedicate your house. But the priest is not saying, well, go dedicate it, you know, pour the oil on it, do, you know, get a blessing over it, and then be back here in 45 minutes. No, he just says, go. That's your situation. Go. And I'm sure that there were those in line that were happy to hear that they had that out and they took it. Verse six. Also, what man is there who has planted a vineyard and has not eaten of it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man eat his tomatoes and cucumbers. See, here's the thing. If you're a true warrior and you're really not afraid and you really do want to serve the Lord and you're ready to go in the battle, you're like, hey, I'm not really that much in the cantaloupe and watermelon right now. Uh, let my wife or children eat it or let the neighbors have it. Let's get this thing going here. <laughs> right. And if you're really in faith, you're like, hey, the house is not going anywhere and I'm not going to die because God's with me so I can do the house thing later. But see, those those that are, ooh, 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 you don't like that? Okay, let's get them out anyhow. And that's what God is doing right now. Remember, there is the intentional, on purpose, thinning out of God to get those who are full of fear out. And a lot of people who have never really been into battle, they don't know what this is like. That's why they're the armchair, uh, lazy boy, recliner champions, tweeting and posting and doing all of this stuff. And the raw truth, they have never, ever been in a real battle ever in their life. Somebody else is always leading. Somebody else is already, is always carrying the faith and, you know, blasting it on the front lines and they're way back in the back. And they're thinking like, yeah, we're on the same level and they're not. And so that's why there's this sifting that can come sometimes when God says, we're going to find out. Amen. If you are what you say you are, but, but the reality is, is that many, you know, they want to go home and cook something in the microwave and go, go to work on that garden. Start picking those green beans. Yeah. I can't fight. The Lord understands. I got to take care of this, of this tomato tr uh, plant right here. God understands. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to try to uh, pin you down. We understand. Just go. <laughs> Amen. Woo. I'm telling you this thing of fear. God's very, very serious about because fear deflates power. Thank you, Jesus. And what man is there who is betrothed to a woman and has not married her? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man marry her. Well, I'm sure that there were those that said, well, brothers, now certainly you understand that. Yeah, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. Certainly don't want that to happen. God bless you, brothers. God is with you. Goodbye. <laughs> and they go back, you know, but hey, again, if you actually have faith and you know God's with you, you're just like, hey, this might take two days. This might take two weeks. We might have to besiege the city. But look, I've waited 27 years or 31 years or however long it's been to get married. And so after having waited 30 years, it's not like three weeks is going to make any major difference. Okay, I'm still okay. God's still holding me together. Everything's fine. Send her a little letter. God bless you. See you in three weeks. I'm going to war. And God wants you to be full of the spirit of faith and he's going to fight with you and you're going to overthrow the resistance that the enemy has brought before you. The priest is not done. He has instructed the officers what to do. The officers shall speak 
further to the people and say, what man is there who is fearful and faint hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. What does that mean? It means that fear is contagious and we don't want this thing spreading. So let's get all of them to leave. Now the, the, First three phases were like easy softball pitches, but it's leading up to this. Mainly, we're trying to sift out any variables of fear and remove that. So we got some real soldiers standing left around here. Amen. We can do some real war. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Fear is a snare. It paralyzes people and brings them into bondage. Wow. Praise God. Now, until you overcome it, you will not be recognized by heaven as an overcomer. You can sing a song. I'm an overcomer. I like that song. That's a good song. But you're going to have to do more than, than sing it. You're going to have to win the battle. Amen. Glory to God. Now, you can sing it by faith. Amen. That that's who you are and identify with that. But eventually, the battle does begin. Amen. And then it's time to get serious. Amen. And get into it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God says that when you're outnumbered, that you're not to be afraid. Again, chapter 20, verse 1, do not be afraid of them. In other words, God is saying, stand up and face your challenges. I'm going to fight for you, and I am going to save you. Amen. And you are very, very close to major, major breakthrough victory in your life, in your business, in your career, in your marriage, your family, whatever it might be, your ministry. Watch God move and fight for you. Psalm 125. Let's jump over there just for a moment. Psalm 125, verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Now, Mount Zion is just a big, solid rock area. All of this, you have Mount Moriah going a little high up, Mount Zion, where David had his, uh, his place at. But again, this is just all big mountain rock type structure. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Now, God knows that certain things are going to be targeted at you in an effort to take you down or to shake your faith. But I'm here today to say that God will stabilize you just as strong as the rock of Mount Zion. And you need to lift your head and tell the devil, I ain't going nowhere. Praise the Lord. Amen. If the devil's trying to kill you with sickness or disease, stand on the word, stand on the rock. Amen. Whatever the challenge might be. Amen. And God will stabilize you. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 28. Let's turn over there today. Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus said, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But you know, the devil can bring the heat. The devil can bring circumstances that would uh, give the impression that he's going to overwhelm you and maybe take you out or cause there to be a great loss in your life. But during times like that, don't ever cry out and say, God, where are you? God, please be with me. Why, sh Pastor Stephen, why shouldn't I do that? Because he's already there. So what you have to do is you have to recalibrate, because in the fog of war, in the actual intensity of the battle, when it's really thick and stuff like that, there can be areas of disorientation. So during times like that, you must walk by faith and you must say, Jesus, you told me that you would be with me always. And so although I don't like perhaps feel your presence, I thank you that you're still here and you're aware of this and you are fighting on my behalf and we're going to see the victory. Mm -mm. Praise God. So don't ever pray. Oh, God be with me. Oh, God, I, I can't sense you. No, no, stand 
He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Well, if you're in a situation like that where you want to express, oh, God, where are you? Don't you see what's going on? Then you need to get to a place as quick as you can where you can just pray for one hour in tongues. And just pray for one hour in tongues and in your mind, see God breaking through in your life and doing miracles. And as you pray in tongues, there'll be times the Holy Spirit will bring some scriptures to you. And there, there's an anointing to speak them forth as mighty declarations of, the, uh, of proclaiming the word of God and shooting out that sharp two-edged sword. Amen. And you just begin to pray, pray, pray in the spirit. For how long? You need to pray, and you need to learn. My friends, I want you to learn this. Pray until your tongues are fluent. And usually, you don't get into fluent tongues until after the second hour. I mean, you might, you might get there in 40 minutes. You know, it's, it's a little bit like sports. Uh, most sports, if you want to get to the very, very top, where like you make an Olympic team, or you win an Olympic medal, preferably the gold, then you're going to have dual workouts. You're going to work out in the morning. You're going to work out in the evening. But athletes who move into that level, and that usually would start, if you're really good, it's going to start at high school. If you get more advanced, then it begins in college. You have a split system, morning and then afternoon. But what you realize is that after you have done your exercise in the morning, when you come back later in that afternoon, it's like those muscles are still like, it's like they're still warmed up. And when you begin that second session, everything is a lot smoother and easier. Uh, it's, it's a little bit like skating on real smooth ice. Woo, praise God. So what you need to do in the spirit realm is that as you pray, you may just be beginning to move into that spirit dimension. But as you keep going, eventually it'll start to get like fluent and smooth. Oh, Pastor Stephen, when I get to that realm, is that when I just quit? No, no. That's when you really just begin to push it. Push it. And that's how you engage in these areas of warfare. Praise God. So don't, don't waste time. Don't waste energy. And don't even actually, in a sense, pray prayers that God can't answer because he's already answered them. Don't pray, oh, God, be with me. He's already with you. Oh, God, don't leave me. He told you he would never leave you. So instead, just get right into it. Just begin to pray in the spirit. Get over in there into that place where the tongues become really smooth and fluent. Woo, praise God. And then just begin to drop the hammer. Praise God. Amen. I mean, if the devil wants to engage war, and, you, it's, and it's on, and there's a real battle. There's a spiritual battle going on. Well, just go ahead and give it. Get, get, praise God. Unload for three hours in, in tongues. Amen. The devil will be like, whoa. <laughs> what did we start? We should have left her alone in the first place. We should have never troubled him. You know what? But my friends, you have to get over into that place where you realize this is a, this is a real battle, spiritual, and engage the enemy. Praise God. Now, always carry the consciousness that Jesus is always with you. And let's remember, in the Canaan land of your inheritance, the devil has actually appointed giants there to scare you away, to try to intimidate you. And the devil is a really big bully. You know, one time Kelly and I were in Israel, and we were at the checkout counter of the hotel, and there was a huge man standing there at the checkout counter also. He was checking out next to us, and he, gigantic man, muscles and ripped, really, you know, very, very strong. And we're just standing there, and Kelly said, um, she asked him, she said, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I'm from America, and I travel all over the world. And he said, I travel a lot to Israel, and my one specialty of what I do is I go into schools all over the world. I go into all of these Israeli schools, and I teach the elementary children how to deal with bullies. Because when he was young, 
he explained that when he was young, he was pushed around and shoved down because he was small and bullies would harass him and just make his life like a living hell. But God raised him up to turn the tables on the devil's agents and to impart knowledge into young people how to deal with a bully. Wow. Amen. And there are things that you can learn to do, but that's what the devil does. He tries to scare you away from your inheritance. And you need to know that any giant that would stand in your way, then God can go in the battle with you and just destroy absolutely destroy that spiritual force, that opposition against you. And you break through into the realm that God has for you. Can you say amen today? Praise the Lord. Now, as we saw earlier in the book of Deuteronomy in the Torah, that in warfare, every fearful person is disqualified. Mm. God is arming today his church and we are privileged to be at the forefront where the action is in our fully armed positions. Woo! Praise the Lord. So today I want you to have confidence in God. Confidence that, that turns you into a conqueror. Confidence that turns you into an overcomer and more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And I do believe that I'm seeing today your previous or present obstacles turned into miracles. It's like God's going to melt those things and he's going to do miracles. Amen. And you're going to go through. Amen. When the enemy would have tried to block you, these various barriers, God's going to turn them into signs and wonders. Amen. And he's going to show forth his power through you. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 11 verse 23. Jesus said in verse 22, have faith in God. Verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Praise the Lord. So you get over in that place of prayer and perhaps you've prayed for 40 minutes or maybe an hour and the tongues is just, you just churning up the spiritual dynamo on the inside of you. And you can just blast debt and say, debt, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. I command you to be uprooted out of my life or my business. And I throw you into the sea in the name of Jesus. Be gone in the name of Jesus. And you just blast those mountains with the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And this is when that anointing is flowing. Amen. And you release that power. Praise God. It is time to tell your mountains to get out of your life. They have been there too long. Praise the Lord. Business frustrations and failure are never supposed to be a part of your inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. God never designed anybody to be a failure. God designed his people to be winners. Amen. And to rise up to be champions. Praise God. Now let's talk for a moment about fear. What actually is fear? Fear is perverted faith. Think about that for a moment. Fear is perverted faith. It was originally Adam's faith, but when he bowed his knee to the devil, he took upon himself the nature of the devil and those twisted perverted spiritual forces that were in the devil corrupted the beautiful spiritual forces that were in Adam. So what was in him once as love, now there can be the perversion of that and what can come out would be hate. And what was once courage, now there can be discouragement or complete dismay and you don't know what to do. And what was once faith, now has been reversed in a perverted way and is now fear. Did you ever notice that fear has all the characteristics of faith, but it works in a reverse manner? It's an opposite manner. Wow. Faith in God brings peace and calmness 
into your life. But faith, for example, in a venomous snake has the ability to produce fear if we allow it to. In other, in other words, fear of a snake is faith in that snake's ability to harm you or me. And lack of, it also represents a lack of faith in God's, God's ability to protect us from the snake. Wow, it's interesting. You know, I've read uh, various uh, life stories about Sadhu Sundar Singh, the legendary apostle of India. They called him the apostle of the bleeding feet because he would hike over the Himalayan mountain ranges and he would go from India into Tibet. And he's doing that with no oxygen tanks, no modern day hiking equipment or anything like that. He's walking and uh, he would just tear his feet all the shreds uh, as he was endeavoring to take the gospel to people who had never heard it before. And there's many beautiful stories about his life. Uh, there's a book called at the master's feet. It was published in 1922 and I actually have an, an original copy. So that makes that I didn't realize it until earlier. I realized, wow, my book is now a hundred years old. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But in that book, uh, there was the eyewitnesses of those who saw brother Singh go out in, in the like three o'clock in the morning to go out and pray. And have, as he was way off praying right at the edge of a jungle, uh, a big wild leopard came and laid down in his lap. And he had really a very supernatural dimension to his uh, ministry work. Uh, he was a great man of God, but He's human, just like we all are. And so in one of his stories, you know, people tell about the leopard story, and that was pretty wild because people saw that. But the other story about the king cobra was a little bit different because one night when traveling, uh, it got dark, and he needed a place to preferably stay. And there was a little hut that nobody lived in that was, um, as you began to go up the mountain at the lower areas before you have any real height, uh, there was a little outpost shack like hut and, uh, it was just straw, uh, and it was, you know, very poorly made, but at least if it rained, you wouldn't get rained on. Well, he went in there, uh, to go to sleep and he laid down. And when he woke up early in the morning, he felt something pushing up against his entire backside and he, he kind of looked over and rolled or, and looked over and there was a, a like, you know, like a 12 foot long King Cobra had come in and you know, that uh, it's a reptile. So they're, they're cold and they, they prefer some heat and it had come next to him and slept next to him throughout the night. And he was so, uh, startled, uh, by this giant snake that he jumped up and ran out. And when he ran out of that little hut, he, his, uh, shawl, uh, his outer robe was left in there where the snake was still at, but he was afraid. But the Lord spoke to him and said, I've been protecting you all night while you were asleep. The snake did you no harm. Go back in there and get your shawl. Everything will be fine. And he went back in there, opened the little door and went in there and the snake just slithered uh, away, went out the back underneath the, the, the grass or whatever. And he's gone. And, uh, he, so he got his shawl and he was like, wow. So the Holy spirit can stabilize us when these things would try to hit us. But that's what fear is. It's a, a perversion of faith. It's a belief in something bad to happen to you. Wow. Praise the Lord. And some people have fear of getting on an airplane. So they have, they have a belief that the plane could crash with them on it, although it's the safest way to travel. So these things are spiritual forces that if not dealt with, they can actually make you sick. And fear has caused many people to have all kinds of stomach problems and stomach ulcers and worry and fear about what could happen, or maybe perhaps about what is happening or what has happened. But my friends, just as fear can produce sickness and even death, 
Faith in God's healing power can make us well. Faith in God's protecting power through the blood of Jesus can keep us safe and secure no matter what types of dangers are going on around us. But my friends, we have to just move out of any place where there might be fear, find scriptures that just bolster your faith and get back into that mentality of going to war to win. And in order to do that, you cannot have fear. So you can't treat this lightly. You've got to get the fear out, get those scriptures, get in faith, and then just pray like you're a man on fire. Praise God. Full power. Amen. And you'll see your breakthrough come. You'll see that God is fighting for you and you will go through. Praise the Lord. Second Samuel chapter 23. Let's look at one of David's mighty men. God's raising up mighty men and women today. That while currents of fear, <clears throat> waves of negativity would sweep upon some, God's people are ascending and breaking through as they go in spite of any opposition. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 11. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. Now we know that lentils really uh, is, you know, it's like a fancy word for beans, you know, legumes or whatever, lentils and all that. Uh, you're going to basically make a soup probably out of that. But this is really just a field of lentils. So the Philistines show up to take that field and the, the lentils away from Shammah. But they're messing with the wrong person. Notice that it says, so the people fled from the Philistines. Everybody else ran away. They did not have that spiritual fighting spirit. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field. So that's a tactical move. He defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Can you imagine how arrogant and bossy and thug like those Philistines must have felt when they all showed up and there was like a whole gang of them and there's only one man that they've got to get removed. All the others have already run away, but they don't realize this is one of David's mighty men. He's not like normal men. He's fearless. He's fearless. Praise God. So they're going to come against him with these smirks on their face like they were just going to take him out real easy and they get into the battle. And suddenly, can you imagine what their faces might look like? Can you, I can hardly wait till we get to heaven and we can, we can stream all of these real life experiences that happen in the Bible and we could watch it in 4k or 8k or whatever it is and sit back and watch the thing of actually what happened because the angels recorded it all. Praise the Lord. But can you imagine what it was like when they try to kill this guy and suddenly they realize, oh my goodness, what have we gotten ourselves into? This guy is really, really good and he's no pushover. He's no pushover. And then the, the real reality when they realize we're losing and he's, he's starting to kill us. Oh my goodness. Wow. Why? He was willing to fight. And my friends, that's what God's wanting so many of you to do today with these pressing situations that have come against you, these attacks of the enemy, where the enemy says, I'm going to destroy your business, and it's not going to recover. And it's an evil attack. Or God, God uh, is wanting to bless you in this area, and the devil seems to put like a blockage in front of it, where you can't get over into that. My friends, it's time, it's time, hey, if the devil's going to do those things, it is time to engage and begin to fight, praise God, and to be like Shama and to engage the enemy. In other words, they attacked him thinking he's going to be a pushover, and he starts to fight like a wild man. Wow, and God, and remember, God's fighting with him. This is super anointing by the Holy Spirit. He starts killing them all. <laughs> they it's like it's like you're going along, and then the enemy tries to shut this down in your life, and so now you're forced to engage. And the enemy thought, oh, you're just going to be a pushover. And the enemy didn't know. 
you're going to launch into a seven day or 21 day fast and you're going to start blasting off in prayer every hour, you know, five hours a day in tongues and the enemy is like, whoa. And the next thing you know, the enemy is losing, losing, losing and boom, you just break through, just break through and destroy the entire plan of what the enemy had. Woo, praise God. And that, my friends, is an overcomer. You engage, but you don't just fight and lose. No, 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 no. No, you get in there and you fight with the spirit of a fighter. And there is something about fighting where after you, you might be nervous, you know, you're going into the war, okay, y'all, all this and all that. But the moment you get, boom, hit, or the moment you get like your sword clings into another's sword, it's on. Amen. And you forget all of that nervousness. That's all gone. And then just do your thing. And the Holy Spirit comes in. But can you imagine the look on the Philistines' faces when suddenly it's not going the way they thought it was going to go? Ah, amen. And when the enemy attacks you and then you respond, oh, this is war. Okay. All right. I'm not going to eat anything for three days. And I'm going to pray in tongues for three hours from nine to midnight every night. Amen. And it was over. When it's over, you will break through and decimate the work of the enemy against your life. My friends, this is the anointing for war. There is a time to be anointed for war. Praise God. Amen. Lift your hands. Father, for those that this message is speaking to them and they feel the quickening power of your spirit, I pray that they be anointed right now for war right now for intercessory prayer, right now to break through and to pray and to respond like Shama did in a way that the enemy was not prepared for. We thank you, Father God, for strength, and I thank you that you are fighting with your people. And I thank you, Father, that that trial will be turned to a powerful testimony, and the testimony will be told. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise. We thank you that you're fighting to help us to get through, amen, and to possess the Canaan land that you have assigned to us. We give you praise in Jesus' name, and we say amen and amen. Praise God. Glory, glory, glory to the Lord. Glory, amen. So light that prayer flame and just burn on fire. Praise the Lord, and push with everything you had. Praise the Lord, and taste the victory. Taste it, amen, <laughs> of being the overcomer. Praise the Lord. So look, um, th this stuff of these, you know, little five-minute prayer, ten-minute prayer, praise God. That's nice maybe for a little devotional or baby Christian, but when you're on the front and stuff, uh, bullets are flying, real bullets, real arrows, or you're in real spiritual battles where the enemy's trying to, you know, do something or whatever, uh, you know what to do. You go into war and make sure there's no fear. And God will begin to fight with you as you fight. Praise God. Glory. I see your victory is actually assured because the Lord told them you're going to win. In other words, we're not just doing this maybe so we can, you know, uh, again, do like some kind of a test run or something, some kind of weird experiment. No, 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 no. You're going to win. Praise the Lord. God's with you. Father, bless your people. I thank you that they are anointed for battle. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. I see some of you praying like in, like in athletics. It's like a, on a football field. It's like when you go all out and it takes that for the victory, it's like you leave all of it on the field, but you win. So you taste the victory. That's what it's like for you. You may have to pray like you've never prayed before, but you will. The Spirit will help you, and you will receive the victory. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus Christ, the captain of the armies of heaven, today you can come under his authority, under his command, under his safety and protection, and be freed from your sins. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, pray this prayer right now. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I give my life to you today. Jesus, save me now. Come into my life. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood, and write my name in your book of life. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In your name, amen and amen. Welcome to the family 
of God. It's the family of winners. It's the family of overcomers. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take Holy Communion together today. I want to encourage you to get a little wafer, a little piece of bread would do, a little cracker, whatever you can find, and get a little bit of grape juice, and let's pray over it. We're going to take communion together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. Through this prayer, we bless this and set it apart. We consecrate it as being holy. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that as we receive the Lord's body, we've received strength. We receive the anointing for war to overcome through prevailing prayer. We thank you, Father, for the energy to pray. We thank you for the fire to pray. And we thank you for the assurance of victory. We receive it now as we receive his body. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. I see some of you like Shama. You respond with such a ferocity against the enemy's arrogance and boldness to come steal what God rightfully gave to you that some of you respond with such a fierceness that you pray all night long. You just, you literally pray, start praying maybe at eight or nine at night and you literally pray until you see the sun come up and that you just ride that prayer anointed. Why? Because you're anointed for war. Amen. And then you see the great miracle. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, its great cleansing power, its protection from the evil works of the enemy. We thank you that we are under the umbrella of the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we are coated, saturated with the blood of Jesus all over our minds, our bodies, our spirit. Father, we thank you. We proclaim the Lord's death till he comes because through his death, we have eternal life. Father, we give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. Let us now receive. Praise God. Glory. Glory. The victory is assured. Rise and stand on the word and pray. Amen. Watch what God's going to do for you. My friends, as we close for today, let me remind you. Israel tour May 7th through the 17th. You can go to our ministry website. The brochure is online. Click that first slider. You'll see the picture. Click it. And on the brochure, there's even this little scan code. You can scan that and you'll have the brochure instantly downloaded on your phone and your tablet or your uh, mobile device. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for watching today. Amen. Go to the forefront of the battle. No fear. No fear. Amen. God is with you. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.